is going on, everyone? Welcome here with an episode of Crew 3 Podcast, sponsored, as always, by the kind supporters of our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Go throw us a dollar, maybe hit up that $5 plan to get some exclusive content. Or if you want, $15 or 20 international gets you the monthly swag bag mailing, which hopefully everyone who's supporting that right now will get their mailing uh, this weekend, just in time for Halloween, for a little spooky swag bag action. And next month, though, I think it's Chris's turn, so a month not done by me. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, with me, as always, is, of course, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hey. How's it going? All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about. There's some pretty big metagame shakeups and a direction for a deck I did not see coming, nor am I not excited about. Uh, but before that, how are you guys doing? You, you play some Magic this weekend? What's going on? Hey, uh... Yeah, solid. I I spent, I had I had a saga this weekend, and mm-hmm. I came to this very zen like realization, this kind of thought process. I made the mistake of opening Hearthstone Battlegrounds and trying that, that game out again. Is uh, that a rebranding of Hearthstone? What is that? Yeah, it's it's the auto chess for Hearthstone. Oh, okay, oh. sure. It is miserable. It used to be pretty decent, uh, but it is uh-huh. garbage. And then, because I was like, oh, I need something I can do on my phone. So it's like, you know what? Uh, let me let me try some magic. I tried some magic. I tried some draft. Uh, I just don't have the time to get to the actual games of magic, especially in draft, right? Like, it probably takes, like, at least three games before I get a real game of magic between either me having too much or too little mana, my opponent having too much or too little mana to have like an actual meaningful game of magic. I don't know. So I was like, you know what? All right. So I gave up for a day. And today I have spent all day having the time of my life playing magic, the gathering for the first time, probably in weeks, really having fun playing magic, just building stupid Phoenix decks, just ridiculous so today oh yeah I've, I've been getting all the screenshots yeah you've been getting all the screenshots my most my most successful one has definitely been the red black phoenix where you just take red black croxa and put phoenixes in there you change a couple okay. cards around but that that deck has had a pretty solid win rate for me it's been fun i've posted the list in the discord um at this point it's going to be you know three or four days ago um, but it's in there if you guys want to go check it out under deck list advice doing kind of a community doesn't slap to see if there's any cards i'm missing Obviously, it's on Arena, so it's we're, we're limited to what's in Historic, but the deck list that I posted was um, Pioneer Legal. So go in there and check it out if you guys haven't, and let me know uh, what you think. Well, this yeah, weekend... Hey. Oh, go ahead. This weekend, I had a lot of on my plate with some work, and then also uh, my new job, which is grinding waifus in Genshin. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I found some time in the day to just casually knock out three seven-in-one drafts in MTGA. Nice. Oh, look at you. So like I've got like five days and I've like just cracked diamond unlimited. And I'm just like, man, I could just if I could just get all my work done this week super fast, then I might be able to make a mythic run. But I should probably not make a mythic run because that would take all of my time to finish through diamond. Yeah. Then how are you how are you going to grind Genshin waifus? I, I exactly. Exactly. I think the problem with that also is that we bought the pass in League of Legends and we're close to cracking gold there. And we may not actually crack gold, but we need to get our values worth out of our, of our pass. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. And we've got like a too many, that, so. too many battle passes, yeah. too, too many battle passes to these games. So the arena battle pass goes into like what, February. The, it what's it's the next set, right? Yeah. So oh, February. Cool. Yeah. Or yeah, end of January. I've yeah. got time. Yeah. 
I will be uh, on a treadmill literally trying to power my laptop through games of arena in Alaska uh, during the Christmas holidays. But, you know, we've got time to finish that. Uh, the gerbils all froze to death. So, yeah, no, those gerbils ain't going to make it. We're out doing there. it with uh, with Ricky power. Hey, speaking of mobile uh, arena got pushed back on mobile. I mean, look. This is going to be a little bit of uh, Ruckman's soapbox here of, hey, Magic Twitter and Magic Online community, just calm down. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the high horse you guys are always riding on is, but uh, you just need to hop off of it. Like Clydesdale. Like, probably a Clydesdale. Like a uh, but, like, yeah. but like, here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone expected Arena actually come out this year. I thought it was already going to come out next year. Oh, yeah. Like, when when they said it was delayed, I was like, "Oh, you guys were actually you were actually shooting for for this year, right?" And just the, just the people like laughing about it and like making fun about it, like there's a lot that goes into it. And I'm glad they're delaying that because there's a lot they need to fix in Arena proper before we get to mobile. So I am glad that they're pushing this back and not like laughing about it because this impacts performance and things like that on people's jobs. So again, like. We don't have to be cynical about this one. We should be happy about this one in all honesty. Because also, like, I'm thinking about, you know, you mentioned Hearthstone on mobile and stuff like that. I just don't see myself playing Magic on mobile. It just, the game just seems way too complex to play in a mobile environment. I think uh, BDM had a good idea where Arena Mobile should just be like, uh, collection management, deck building and stuff like that. And maybe you can do a draft and then play the actual games on on your uh on your like pc but i just i just don't see myself actually like grinding out a lot on my even like generally regular sized iphone i'll mess around with it like uh, there's a lot of ambitious games coming to phones and i think your big problem obviously is like screen size you know yeah so like i think the problem you have is that like some some people could be playing on like i don't know how old they'll go back to like i'm assuming you, you can't go behind like iphone 9 or something like that with like a a big size phone but i'll try it i'm not gonna play ranked on it because i'm with you but like um you know they hearthstone works really well on mobile in my opinion like i I used to play it uh in the mornings at at work hearthstone you just have like one line of things and magic you already have two rows of, of cards and stuff like that very true i think it's gonna be tough to you know like tap your mana intentionally which is why i'm probably not going to mess with it in a in a ranked environment where i care but to mess around with it i mean you know auto auto tapper is fine like i'm sure there's a way they'll make it where you can like highlight your lands and go from there you can play genshin impact on the phone if you can play genshin impact on a phone you can play magic the gathering you can play a semblance of genshin impact on the phone you can play a semblance of magic on the phone you hit it you know i've been like you know, Legends of Runeterra is a game that everybody likes to talk about nowadays because it's it's everyone's favorite new threat of just like I'll go play Legends of Runeterra, I'll do it. You know, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna or I'm gonna buy out all the Pokemon cards. Oh, or, oh yeah, that actually happened. I want to buy. Or, all or, or, or now now it's flesh and blood too, right? Because those first edition boxes are going for ridiculous amounts of money. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, Legends of Runeterra, but and it works on the phone, but the game is just. Not magic complicated, but just complicated enough that I'm just like, I can't just like bust out Legends of Rune Terra, like while I'm sitting in a waiting room, because yeah. like if I have to like pay attention to anything else around me, like I'm not going to be able to win this game. 
I hear you. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that they really do need to take their time with it no matter what. I'm I'm not surprised with that at all. They've been delaying a bunch of stuff. I'm surprised they even started on to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would be interested to see if like we get better tablet technology or better like slim phone technology to like make a bigger screen size to make those games more playable with like reasonable processing power because you know, people have iPads, there's all kinds of tablets now. So like if tablets become more popular, I definitely could see it, uh, you know, being played there for sure. Meanwhile, Hearthstone on mobile, I mean, not to like drag down any Hearthstone players, but when I started Hearthstone on mobile, um, I mean, it was just, is it turn seven? Is there a Dr. Boom in my hand? Put that on the board. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's the whole game. I was just counting to 20 with Cthune Priest. That was when I was playing Hearthstone. Uh, see, we're, we're, we're pre-Cthune. We were uh, mm. nothing is better than Dr. Boom. Sure. Right. Uh, okay, and the last thing on Ruckman's Soapbox is... What else What else is, on Twitter has can, you uh, annoyed recently? Oh, yeah. It's uh, the uh, wonderful Brad and BBD clip from their Rivals League match this weekend. Uh, I don't know if anyone got a chance to see that where... Uh, Brad played... Remember how we always say, play your outs. And Brad found the best out ever, which was just assaulting his roommate and trying to concede the match for him. Mm-hmm. But of course in magic Twitter, that's unsportsmanlike conduct and Brad needs to be banned oh my gosh. and should be, should be kicked out and banned and like all this other ridiculousness Wait, because I've not seen this outrage. I believe that it's there because uh, if you just go magic players and then followed with the word upset, I mm-hmm. believe you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but like that clip is so funny. That's like the best magic clip I've seen like in a long time of just, all digital magic and there's no like personality anymore like honestly that's going to be in my opinion the clip of 2020 magic you know people think about like you know shards magic and they think about nasif calling his cruel ultimatum like we think about honestly just a lot of nasif but you know we think about lightning helix off the top we talk about like all these like big emotional moments and this is really just funny and personal and not uh, two people looking at screens nowhere near each other trying to figure out how to play MTG Arena without pulling up a Pornhub tab. <laughs> uh, like, the other thing, too, is, right, also, just BBD and Brad and Joe have been killing it. Like, all of their uh, Mythic Invitational content they made of right. them remaking the convention experience at their house. Right. Let's, uh, let's be careful when we use the word killing it in refers to Magic players because, uh, you know, that one guy. Sure, sure. I'm joking, by the way. I was gonna say, like, I, <laughs> I was like trying to run, run, but the, the the gerbils that died in Alaska were really trying to come back to life here. And I was like, <laughs> right. is there a magic? Mur-? I mean, we've got some magic. We've got some some, some bad form magic players, but I don't think we hit murder just yet in the mainstream. Oh, uh, you're about to get a message. Uh, you know, oh, I'm really, okay, yeah. I'm really glad for that clip because that's how I knew that there was a tournament taking place. So <laughs> well, it's, it's the it's the rivals league. Yeah, right? it's the so rivals gonna... league. It's like a weekly thing, right? Yeah, it's like the startup. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I, I'm joking, but again, I ha- I have no idea where you find that anymore. Again, it's just like I, 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 that. That's a whole other soapbox. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that. But yeah, it, I think it was fun. I'm disappointed in people. You know, like whatever. If he had somehow accidentally conceded the match, it would have been fine, right? Because he was conceding. From the other side, basically saying, "Oh, I can't win." He, it would have been a, a funny sign. moment. Just let people enjoy it, you know. He holds up a sign saying, "I can't win." Mm-hmm. Right, right, for sure. So, yeah, it's just, it's just. Oh, what if he accidentally conceded? What if, what if he forced person. closed the? Pro- what if he forced closed the program? They, they can figure it out, right? right. Like, right. It's whatever, you know. What, 
Oh, but they rebuilt because I don't, I I couldn't tell you if that was like in the middle of their match or whatever. That was but they could easily they could easily reconnect to the match. Mm-hmm. Whoever lost the other match can the other game could just concede concede. We play the game three or that's the over and two. Right? It's yeah. not hard to rebuild that at all. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not immensely positive. But like, yeah. One that's not. It just it's not that hard to recreate magic, especially once a game's over, right? It's very easy to just mm-hmm. like, hey, we'll go to a game two even online, right? Like, see somebody can yeah. the first one. But I'm pretty sure that was it because it was. I think they said that BBD moves on or wins yeah. the match for that. So you know, whatever. I don't. Right. Know. It's just it's just after everything negative that we've had in the magic over the last few weeks, having something genuinely heartwarming and funny like that to just even share to my non magic friends. And just have people just all the all the outrage. I was like, "Come on, really?" Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the other drama from the weekend that is going to be the Chris's crafting corner segment for this week? Yeah, sure. Let me uh, let me cue up uh, the smoking jackets and the cigars as we as we settle in for a nice theory crafting session. <sighs> Everyone ready? I brought finger paints. I thought this was the crafting session. Yeah. No, 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 no. Finger paints later. Okay. This is a this is a method of meeting of the minds right now. Okay. All right, cue it up. All right. All right. This week, uh, this past weekend, I should say, in the uh, what was it? Vintage Championships. We had some mm-hmm. drama. Somebody did some. Somebody did some cheating. Somebody did some down and dirty nonsense that you ain't allowed to do in the game of Magic Gathering cards, and that was offering prizes, offering some kind of compensation in return for um, a concession, right? I don't want to go too much into that because there's a lot of kind of muddiness around it. I read the chat log. It was very clear. It's it's, it's on Reddit, I'm pretty sure. And you can see it. It doesn't look like one of the people's first languages, even English. So like, who knows like what, if there was any misunderstandings there, but definitely like you cannot do that very against the rules. It's one of the first things you learn as a magic player in, in a competitive environment is you can't, you know, you can't essentially match fix, but that brings up the point. There's a big push in magic, the gathering with um, even like casters. Like this is something that I'm pretty sure Cedric Phillips is on about is that, you know, drawing a game, intentional drawing, right? Intentional drawing, where we handshake, where we're going to draw this match should not be allowed. That should be, considered some kind of form of collusion and therefore should not be allowed inside of magic the gathering it's not a good viewership experience which uh, which makes sense to me so i kind of wanted to open up that floor and see what you guys thought about it so real quick before uh and i'll I'll give ricky the first crack at it because obviously you know i I, i'm more from the judging angle here although i do have thoughts of the competitive play but i'm going to say ricky has the more experience in the id sort of format but you know i've had my fair share of pt and our PTQ and PPTQ uh, IDs and that kind of stuff. But I will say real quick on the collusion aspect of it, if you are in a competitive level event and someone does offer you that collusion, please call a judge because even if you just say, no, thanks, I'm good. Right. And just don't call a judge and someone else at the table overhears this happen. Or the judge overhears it. Or the judge overhears it. 
then you will both be disqualified for collusion, even if you say no. It is a very unfortunate thing in the rules, but it is a thing in the rules. So that is a fair warning to everyone who's listening. No, I, I think that's extremely enlightening. I don't want to. I know you guys had a story about it. I, I don't want to get into that, but I think that's an important thing that we, you know, we've seen that happen in real life. And I've seen people get disqualified for doing that because they didn't know any better, right? They were like, oh, we can't take a draw. How do we decide who wins? Let's roll a dice or something like that, right? I yeah. mean, it, it kind of sounds a little, a little, you know, hokey, but I've seen the people do the dice roll. You have to be very careful when you do that kind of thing. There's ways you can do it, right? That are not, you know, like if it's your best friend, you probably don't, you don't have to say anything, right? Saying nothing is better and just doing, you know, doing it after the fact, but you cannot say anything, make any agreements, anything like that. And like you said, if, if you don't immediately call a judge when your opponent does it, you're going down also, but on the issue of draws, intentional draws, how do you feel a Ricky? Well, before we move off that real quick, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the scenario of like a draw kills us both and, uh, we're at time. Somebody should win your rights. What you can do here are you can go, will you concede to me? You are not allowed to look at any additional cards and do not reveal any information or discuss any form of randomization. You you just ask that question. If your opponent says no, then you go, well, we're taking the draw. That's it. That is cut and dry. That is it. Um, I've had friends and people are like, wow, isn't that scummy? Because like they, they get to the end, right? And they go, they go, will you concede to me? A draw kills us both for day two. And the opponent responds with, how about we roll a die to see who wins? And then the friend raises their hand and calls the judge or looks at the judge who's currently at the table and says, judge, my opponent's offered to collude with me. Now, that person is not angle shooting. They're not being scummy. If they do not literally report that that's just got said in front of them, they will also be disqualified. So they are not like, ooh, gotcha. You know, it is, it is, I have to do this because you said that or else we are both getting disqualified now. I'm pretty sure. So, and I guess I'll ask one question because now we're here. I thought you could reveal your hand because you used to be able to reveal your hand. Can you not do you that anymore? You can technically reveal your hand, but you shouldn't. Right. I, I know for sure. I've seen somebody look at the top card of the deck, and I know well, you can't. Once do you that. look at the top card of the deck, you're done. It's over. Yeah. It's it's over. The judge is going to say, "Is this match has a uh, has a result been determined of this match?" And if you do not say yes then whoever is like flipping cards or both players are going to be in a lot of trouble. For sure. All right. Intentional draws, Ricky. How do you feel? Intentional draws. Everyone has been to a, or everybody who has been to a competitive level paper magic tournament has been, you know, in the thick of it, you know, you're three and three, but you just want to leave there with a positive record and you go into the last round and you're hoping maybe if I go four and three, I'll get prize and it's great. And it's a great time in a magic player's life. Uh, they're bright eyed and they, they never say die and it's great. And they've got their own brew. And then you look at the top tables and you go, why aren't they playing? And somebody goes, Oh, they intentionally drew into top eight. And you're going to go, that's lame. They don't even have to play the last round. They already played the rounds. They already won. They've earned the right to draw. Magic is a game about managing risks and intentionally drawing. Once you're already in a perfect record is you managing your risks. That's what I have to say about it. Intentionally drawing is good. I'm glad that it's still around, even in the all-digital age of magic. Um, if you 6-0 through the Swiss and you don't want to keep playing to keep top seed in the top eight portion, you don't have to. 
you can take your draws if your opponent agrees and you will slide into the next into the you know top eight you cannot win the tournament if you don't make the top eight so take your draws where you can safely take them right Rock, also, how do you feel? Oh, no just, all right uh take your splits when they're offered <laughs> just oh, sure. saying that, the, my only thing about the splits is like that's that's another whole area that I think is like too complicated to get into right now. Like you right. you can definitely offer splits. Go look up how you do that because I, I don't want to talk about it here. Right. Okay. Fair enough. No no talking about I, splits here. Just talking about yeah. intentional draws. We can, if, if there is if there is interest, we can talk about splitting in another thing. Or hey, we have a Q and A episode coming up in a couple weeks. Go ahead and put in a question for. How do we go about splitting prizes in an event? Right. Mm-hmm. There you go. Throw that in there, and, and we'll cover it on the on the Q and A. Yeah. A quick couple minutes. Uh, my thoughts are, you know, I'm with Ricky. Uh, I, I get it from both standpoints, right? Like, as someone who has top aided several events, you know, I'm not on the PT stage, or I'm not in like the GP top eight contentions, but you know, I've top aided my fair share of PTQs and whatnot and things like that, right? IQs. And when you, when you spend the whole day on fire and you're X and one and you're locked for top eight, if you draw, if you're even the perfect undefeated seed, right? Mm-hmm. That's almost like your right to now you can take a moment. You can go collect yourself. I'm, if my opponent doesn't want to do it, I'm not going to like be the person pressuring them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, I do like the more recent change where, seating matters on player draw in top eight that that was kind of made what like a year or two ago right so that gives some uh reason and agency to want to play that final round uh which is nice yeah and that initial play draw rule was made a long time ago but i don't know where it was established i don't think it was established everywhere but um but it wasn't like pushed down though it was only at like professional level events and then they upped it to competitive level events yes yeah. So, and I mean, like even FNMs and stuff like that'll do it. So, and we do it for our events just because again, you know, you, you earn that top seed. So you should get some benefit for having that top seed. Right. Um, but at the same time, I understand where, you know, you want to watch in big events. You want to watch the best players play as much as possible because that's what gets you the views. But at the same time, if I'm a content producer, if I'm like putting on a tournament, I understand already that people are going to be drawing and stuff like that. And to me, it's a lot more interesting watching the like two people duke it out in that, like who's going to make it in an eighth place match. Right. For sure. Because you, you know, you're going to see these top two players again in the top eight somewhere, but these people fighting for their tournament life, that's going to be some of the most like live or die magic played. Exactly. Like that is, in my opinion, I think like people who say like, oh, it's bad. It's bad for viewership. It's not bad for viewership. Look at table five. Look at table six. The people who are like playing for their tournament life, mm-hmm. you know. And also, I think they, they used to do this when they covered when they covered the GPs. In round nine of the GPs, they would cover the match that was the like two people who were eightos mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like the three people who had eighto, maybe four, right? all the people that were close to getting perfect. And then they'd also just like cover somebody who was both people were the X twos and yeah. it's just like, can't lose. Like mm-hmm. they used to do that. Right. And like, that's really interesting in my opinion, because like you get to see different decks. You don't always see just the top players, right. Forever. Mm-hmm. And you get to see like people who are still like 
very much have like things to lose here, right? Right. Yeah. Tables one, two, and three are going to concede, or not concede, but draw. And you know that's going to happen, so don't even schedule them for the feature matches. Sure. Just schedule tables four, tables five, table six, you know. Right, makes sense. I I just, I get the other side of that. Like, no, no one likes to be that person who's X and two thinking, oh, I could still make it right, but the top table's already true. No one likes being that person, but sometimes it's just not your day, and it, it's going to happen, right? Right, I think, I think the argument there is that, it, you know, you needed to play better, right? Like there's a lot of times where X and two will make it into whatever. So like, it's just that third or fourth. And again, if you play well enough for long enough, you'll eventually make it right. So people make it more often than not. Uh, I- I'm going to tell you guys that D like I kind of made a, an absurd argument with my friends that I'm, that I'm not going to make here. Um, I am going to go ahead and say that I am against intentional draws. This is not, the stance that I would have told you even a couple years ago, I once unfortunately made fun of somebody because they were in a position that should have known better, especially with the history of magic and chess and just gaming in general, they had calling intentional draws collusion because I was not educated in games outside of magic. I was a magic, the gathering player, right? That's what I did week in and week out. Those are the tournaments I grinded. Those were, that's what people knew me for. So you know, I, I thought it would be ridiculous to ever forbid intentional draws. And one of the reasons was, how do you stop it, right? How do I stop two people from just saying, I'm going to go to time, right? Like we just both play lands and we do nothing, you know? So it's like, it's it's quicker to just say, hey, I'm, you know, we're going to intentionally draw than let two people just sit there and draw out the clock for 50 minutes because they would rather draw than risk it, right? Like if they've got a gentleman's agreement, it's, it's that they're very, very hard to stop but I, I wouldn't mind placing them so that, that you could not. Because in my opinion, there's just no reason to have in, intentional draws. Like they just, they don't make a lot of sense in your anti-collusion stance. If you're going to, if you're going to take that stance, it, it's just, to me, it's not very consistent to say, well, this person can't say, oh, I'm going to offer these prizes, but still allow somebody to say, oh, we're going to fix the results of this match based on things that have not happened, you know? And it's a slippery slope argument. I'm not telling you that it's the it's the best argument ever, but I'm just saying, you know, it, in a sense, they're both collusion. We just allow one because there's no like exchange outside of the game, right? We're we're literally well, uh, okay. Hands. So so from a from a rule standpoint, the thing is you cannot determine the result of a match right. outside of things other than magic, right? Right. And then and then and then like the disqualification comes to uh, the result has. You, you knowingly break the rules in this way, right? Right. So I, I get there's a weird gray area, and I see the point you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But to me, there's still a difference between, ah, oh, who wins? Let's roll a dice and just saying, we are not going to play this game, draw. Right. There, there's definitely some difference. My argument is definitely going to be that the, that difference is not very wide, and it's certainly not as wide as I used to think it was. It, especially sure. once, like, once, like, I saw, and again, you know, I... I see it both ways, right? For the longest time, I was very pro, pro intentional draws. I don't mind them. I would never say I'm not going to, you know, go to some campaign for the abolition of intentional draws. It's not my point. We're just, we're having a conversation about intentional draws here. And, you know, years ago, I've been following professional league of legends pretty much since its inception. And it was like CLG and Dignitas or something like that. Um, we're in the finals of an MLG tournament or some big tournament. And I know what you're talking about, yeah, they, they agreed. Oscars. 
to split the prize money. So they actually had a lot of fun. They random locked their champions, all ran mid lane and had a big brawl, right? But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't competitive. It's like, even though they could have done that, even though what they should have done is just played a real game for the whatever, that made people question, well, what's going on? And they're like, well, we just agreed to split the prize money. And they said, well, you can't do that under our rules. And again, it was their rules, right? Big difference. Magic does not have that rules. This tournament, I don't know if they actually had that rules or they just decided it, you know, it was against their their rules they wrote after the fact, whatever. The point is they essentially agreed to a draw and kind of messed around and they both lost all of their prize money for it. So, you know, in there's very few other games where you can intentionally draw. Very, very, very few. And again, I, I think it does make the game of magic more interesting. You know, we've changed mulligans a bunch of times for the same reason. So yeah. I, I just think that it's an interesting conversation to have and one that yeah. I'm kind of evolving my stance on that. I, I would have never thought years ago that I would take this stance, but now I, I, I totally I'm taking, it. I mean, I'm taking the lame duck stance of just, I'm fine with it. And if it went away, whatever, it's one more match I have to play. That's, that's where I'm at. Sure. Something, something like that, that I can do something with that. All right, let's get to these, uh, let's get to this pioneer meta game. All right, we are a Pioneer podcast. Let's talk Pioneer. All right, um, our 14-day 12-deck look at, we have in our number 12, four-color Omnath at 4.2%. Of course, these are, as always, by meta percentage and not by actual uh, win rates and things like that, so keep that in mind. At 4.2% as well, in number 11, we have Jeskai Luka. In number 10, at 4.9, we have Gruel Midrange. In number nine, we have Esper Control in 4.9 as well. That's sort of that Esper Yorian deck. In at number eight, we have Lotus Combo, also at four, excuse me, also at 4.9. Coming in at number seven is Niftalite, also again at that 4.9. In number six, we have Azorius Spirits at 5.3%. In number five, we have Loris Burn at 5.3%. Ooh, big shake up here, gentlemen. In number four, we have Orzov Ors at 6.4%, down Ooh, from that number two seed. Mm-hmm. In number three, unseated and currently in third place, Mono Black Aggro at 8.7%. Mm. In number two, we have Wilderness Reclamation at 9.1%, which is, of course, different from Four Color on that. They, they, the Four Color on that deck is pretty much the, the standard deck that got banned out of existence, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then in number one, don't call it a comeback. They've been here all along is oops all spells at 10.6 percent and that deck has gone through a bit of a shift here that i have a lot of questions about uh so we can either save that or get into it now or we can save that and uh get into the challenges which one do you guys want to do let's do those challenges all righty in our challenge on the 24th, we have taken down by Jabberwocky with Soltai Delirium. The deck's back. We talked about it a little bit last week. They've got a few changes here, right? They're playing uh, Clever Imposter, Atris. Got a few neat things going on here. In second place, we have Niv to Light. Third place, we have Mono Black Aggro. Fourth place, Gruel Midrange. Fifth place, Soltai Reclamation. Sixth place, that mono white humans, little black humans, whatever you want to call it. We have seventh place, Jun Sacrifice. And in eighth place, we have Oops All Spells. 
uh, playing a weird 92 cards. This is so truly magic, as Garfield intended. The the 92 cards stand, because if, if you haven't clued in by now, uh, of course the change that we're going to talk about with, with Oops All Spells is that they're playing Yorian now, because why not? When we're milling over our whole deck, another 20 cards doesn't matter, right? Uh, but 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 this deck is playing ninety two cards. Could we not find the Orians, Methinks, or what's what's going on with this version? Well, you see, um, eighty is the new sixty. Okay, so let's just play it all. Let's. But we're playing seventy seven. Yeah. Or no, not seventy seven. Um, what is uh. He's playing uh, 77 cards in his main board. Is it 77? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 77. Yeah. Um, he didn't like the Orion, you know? They, you know, they, they might not have liked the Orion. We don't know. Three cards just didn't make the cut. Um, I saw the Jim Davis article like everybody else did. Uh, we all laughed at it. We all thought it was funny. We all thought it was clever. Playing real magic with 80 cards and no lands in 2020. Uh, but here we are. The deck works because we're not playing magic. We're playing a dredge variant. And as everyone will tell you, dredge variants are magic. <laughs> we're playing a dredge variant that gets the Eldritch Evolution Neoform for our Balistrad spy. Yeah. What do you not like about this? We're playing Kazandu Mammoth now. We're playing Kazandu Mammoth. Like, that guy's just an efficient beater. Yeah, no, I like Kazandu Mammoth. Look, I'm, all I'm going to say is Andrew1232... Tell us where the other three cards went, why we're not playing the Orians. That's what I want to know. Maybe when he was getting his deck out, or when they were getting their deck out of their deck box, they just, you know, they missed those three cards, you know? Out, out of the digital deck box? Yeah. It has to be you know. there, right? Like, you never do that? Like, you ever just, like, you get, like, a, a deck box, but it's, like, one size too small for your double sleeve deck, and you didn't listen to the Tolarian College <laughs> about it, and, like, your cards sort of stick to, like, the weird inside of the box you know what it is you know what card's actually missing i'm looking at this what they are missing the three copies of black bloom rogue maybe they listen to the podcast and they know how much ricky thinks that card's bad mm. yeah that card's not that great and it's a land that comes out of play tapped yeah so, you know they are missing three copies of black bloom rogue <laughs> that's the card that's missing and then they're missing their yorian in the sideboard like yeah. maybe they just couldn't find the yorian at the last minute, and they were just like, well, if I'm not playing Yorian, I'm not playing Black Plume Rope. <laughs> Why not just play the 60 cards? Can Yorian, real quick, can Yorian... I mean, Yorian, I, I guess it's just because Bla Balistrat's, 12 copies of Balistrat's Spy is better than 4. Yorian can't even blink your lands. No, it can't. Have you seen those sick decks that are like playing Ghostly Flicker in Modern to like flicker yeah. their creatures back in? It's dope. I'm just saying, like... This deck is silly. I've told you this deck was silly. I, I like this deck. But but when you said this deck was silly, did you think of you winning events and being now the number one seed in the format? I think... Real talk here. Real talk. Okay, real talk hours. I don't think this deck is as good as other decks. I don't think it's the best deck in the format by far. I think it's a very good top-tier deck. I think that the allure of playing Modern and Pioneer right now is being able to play stupid, quote, zero land decks. Okay, that's Did you fair. know you can play Char Belcher? Did you know that Iron Craig Feet gives you the the four mana to cast, the three mana to activate, a activate Char Belcher in modern? Yeah. Did you know you can Char Belcher your opponent for 54 
in modern, like right now. You know what's funny is before that deck became a thing, I totally never even thought about Char Belcher being modern legal. Right, that card was only in Legacy. I'm Legacy. pretty sure it was printed in Visions or something. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this deck is sweet. Um, you know, I'm going to like take a second mortgage so I can buy all of my foil uh, Agadim's Awakenings, but you know. All right. Anything else you want to talk about here? I mean, welcome back, John Sacrifice, the deck we haven't really talked about in a while. Uh, we're seeing Sultai Reclamation creep up here. Uh, I mean, is there anything really to talk about in this one? I mean, Sultai Delirium coming back is pretty big. I think we're still seeing that uh, the power of these mid-range decks is really still Uro and not Omnath. This Jun Sacrifice deck is actually really interesting. Okay. It's got a lot of, like, random one-ofs, like one of Deathrite Shaman mm -hmm. and one of Fiend Artisan. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of one-ofs in the board, too. Uh, it's playing Agadim's Awakening, of course, because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Collected Company, but it's not playing, like, uh, a Traverse the Uvenwald or something to, like, tutor these one-ups. We're just going to hit them. Yeah. And they're going to be great. I want to know, do we not have four Elvish Mystics or four Lawnmower Elves? Why is that the split? Um, well, because uh, of Needle, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because <laughs> uh, Distended Mindbender on the board is hot. Goose is better than both of them because it makes a sacrifice. Yes. Um, I feel like the split on 2-2 two -two is absolutely fine there. Okay. Sure. All right. Like, have you ever uh, seen, there was a GP top eight, uh, where like opponent goes like turn one pithy needle and just blank name scalding tarn and like opponent just had three scalding tarns in his hand. No. And like, it's just like, well, you could have played like a mix of scalding tarns and flooded strands, but he played all scalding tarns and just got, got. Okay, all right. Well, you know, I'll respect it then, Ricky. That's that's some high level. That's those are some Brad Nelson next level lines you're talking about there. Yeah, I mean, like you gotta prep for those like really weird corner case situations. Like, there's no reason, like why why wouldn't you split them if they're effectively you, the same card? You gotta lock your door and know how to quick Windows key L to lock your computer to make sure no one can assail your match going on. Exactly. All right. Let's take a look at the other challenge, shall we? Unless, Chris, you had anything you wanted to add. Nah. All right. Well, speaking of Andrew, one, two, three, two, 92 cards is enough to get it done because they won this challenge on the 25th. So apparently apparently 77 is the real truth over over 80. So maybe we can uh, – I tried to talk to our the, 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 the player that had the two Seagate Oracle to get a comment, Seagate Sword Caller to get a comment – Maybe we, I can get a hold of Andrew one two three two to talk about the the seventy seven cards here and what what happened to the the rogues. Uh, in second place we have Lotus Combo. In third place Mono Black Aggro. Fourth place Sulfi Reclamation. Fifth place the Saint is back. Traft just jamming those Azorius spirits in fifth place this this week. Uh, we have sixth place Lotus Combo. Seventh place. Four color reclamation and eighth place Jabberwocky with Soul Tide Delirium. So Javi picked Jabberwocky picked up the win one, the other one, uh, but they got eighth place here. And of course, actually, what's kind of interesting? There's there's a flip, right? Uh, Andrew one three two three one two three two got eighth, went to first. Jabberwocky got first, went to eighth. So that's kind of interesting there. What do you think about this? Uh, the Saint themselves trapped over here. They're just like this. Looks like. 34 dudes and four lofty denials. 
yeah hey you know i haven't i haven't actually touched full-on spirits in a little while um but it's still good right um i i respect the and i love the choice actually of keeping the nevelgast herald over shacklegeist shacklegeist is actually a lot of spirits decks still play it and i don't mind it as a two of but i'm still not sold on shacklegeist i do like nevelgast herald just way better especially when you are playing a watcher of the spheres right of course, Nebulgast Herald just seems so oppressive sometimes, especially with like uh, rattle chains just making everything flash yeah. in. It's just like, will I get to attack? Spoilers, no. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I understand people can find spirits annoying, but I think in my mind, works. Where's it at right now in the meta? It's it's fifth right now. Um, it's an annoying deck when it's like the most popular deck at the table. But if we're looking at like pillars of the format, right? I think mono black aggro and spirits as being these kind of like mid to lower tier one litmus tests are, are good benchmarks for a format to have, right? Spirits is this sort of interactive tempo style strategy that gets through through damage, while mono black is this attrition beat dial beat down deck, right? I would rather have these be the litmus test of the format rather than just 20 euro variants. Right. And also like this deck is so cheap. Oh, yeah. Like, really, like, if you cut those two mana confluence, and we, you know we're getting the blue-white flip pathway down down the line. Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't need those mana confluences anymore. We're going to get the flip land. Uh, yeah. Like, this deck costs, like, about 150 in paper and way less in MTGO. And, hey, if you sponsor the swag bag, we're going to get a couple of these cards in your swag bag this month. Uh, so I'm already, I'm, already, I'm already putting you well on the way to building it. Yeah, I mean, like... What's your most expensive card, like non-land, right? It's like Spell Queller at like Spell Queller, selfless, selfless, selfless Spirit, actually. Nine dollars on Selfless Spirit? What is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or if for some reason Skyclave apparitions are like eight bucks each right now. Ooh, and you that's, play those I mean, board. that's that's modern, right? Yeah, that's because of modern and legacy and just everybody that card just yeah. good. Yeah, but like Spell Queller is a card that I don't mind picking up because I've been playing like random Coco decks on MTGO, right? That's when we're talking about cards to invest in. I think Spell Queller is a good one because it's if there's just any sort of blue white based tempo strategy, it's going to get played right. Skyclave Apparition, another card I'm not mad about investing in. Selfless Spirit, that's kind of a mid ground card, but again, that's not a bad one to invest in. This deck just seems so streamlined and so cool and. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like dirt cheap, like this deck and like auras. Yeah. I mean, like for like $200, you could probably build two very competitive decks yeah. uh, in those two decks. And especially at MTGO, because this is only 100 ticks on MTGO and auras is what, like 50, 70, somewhere around there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say, though, I do want to point out. So again, Traft, we know we've commented on several. Actually, I think every week we've mentioned Traft in these, these challenges because... This is someone who knows that they want to play with that account name. They're playing Spirits. They're rocking the guys St. Traff, right? I'm sure they would if they could in this. Um, but I do want to point out in ninth place, not to shame them, but we have Dreams of Ashiok playing an Esper deck and no Ashioks. Well, of course not. They dream of Ashiok. They dream of Ashiok. Okay. They, they don't okay. have Ashiok. They just dream okay. that one right. day. Much like right. myself, they dream of a format. You know, I dream of a format. Where my rhinos and phoenixes can run free in a in a happy field of pioneer, this person clearly dreams of Ashiok's uh, ruining quick, that Chris. field with Icar and nastiness. 
Chris, real quick litmus test here. Uh, how? What is the mana cost of a rhino? Converted mana cost? Yes. Four. What is the mana cost of a phoenix? Four. Mm. All right. Zero. I've got my answers. I got <laughs> my answers. No change in the answer now. <laughs> All right. I know where Chris's intentions lie now. He's such a fair man. There you go. He's hard cast. Are we hard casting his phoenix? He just wants to slam his four drops. You know it. Do you know how much I paid? Like I went and I played Phoenix for uh, let's extend it every time I mention it. Thirty-eight rounds at GP uh, Austin, <laughs> right? And do you know how many times I hard cast Phoenix? Like ones. four, but yeah, like okay. uh, never yeah. any more than that, like right. ever, right? And I was always like, uh, and that was over a hundred rounds, right? Yeah, right. over a hundred rounds, exactly. Uh, I found Traft on Twitter, and they're talking about the the deck. A very very small amount, but not tweet too much about it. But they're definitely on the you know the spirits thing, playing it quite a bit. And mm-hmm. if you check their history, they've got a lot of uh, success on the spiritos. So uh, yeah, they're um, doing well, posting a lot about. I it. mean, they've been a ghost since original Innistrad. If if you if you register your account as trapped, you better be playing spirits. No, for for sure, it makes sense to me. I'm surprised. That's definitely a, a commitment. But they um, they didn't join until late last year. They didn't even join okay. Twitter until then. Maybe because they were they were playing it. So who knows how recent this thing is? But um, they have tweeted that they've uh, topped five out of the last seven Pioneer events they've played. So I mean, we like I said we've talked about them every week. I think mm-hmm. yeah. Can doing, we book? Can doing, we book this person? How do you book a ghost? I don't know. Can, can, can they do birthday parties? I mean, they can't catch COVID <laughs> as a ghost. As far as we know, ghosts can't carry COVID. As far as we know. But they also are the best at self-quarantining because they can't leave where they're haunting. So we don't even know. Yeah. That's why ghosts never get sick. Yeah. Well, this ghost seems to be haunting the top eight of these hey, challenges. There hey, we go. There we go. That's nice why they pay nice me. One. Nice one. There's, there's the Nickelodeon slime bad joke alert. <laughs> All right, do we each want to take a uh, a league deck and then? Um, yeah, I got I got up? one. Yeah, I got one. Go ahead. Uh, mine is uh, first of all, I do want to point out a misnaming uh, in the ten twenty six league. Uh, there is a mono green planeswalkers deck played by Hell Monkey. That is not mono green planeswalkers. It's just regular mono green. They're just playing a few more planeswalkers. Sure, they're not the the planeswalker deck. Um, but my deck is mono black by qb turtle 15 and we're playing a witch's oven brew here all right we're playing we're playing so we got an arch we got four arch fiend vessel four college of familiar three stitcher supplier four fiend artisan two priests of forgotten gods four liliana heretical healer four woe strider one rankle master of prankles four thought sees three call of the death dweller four witch's oven four swamp or sorry four castle lock twain 17 swamp a sideboard of two duresses, three fatal push, three soul guide lantern, two damping sphere, two ratchet bomb, two self-inflicted wound, and one Kalidus traitor of get. So this deck is obviously we're just going to do what wizards say we can't do in standard anymore and just attrition out with which is familiar, buy back some arch fiends vessels and make some big fiend artists as well, disrupting our opponent with priest of forgotten gods and getting some Liliana value. I don't know. This deck is just pretty straight and straightforward, and I like it. There we go. Um, I've got a mono green deck I want to talk about just because we haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah. 
Um, this is Mono Green by uh, Johnny89 in one of the um, the leagues. They've got a spicy one of Shadow Spear. I, I want to point this out because, and I know this is a big ask, but if you have four, uh, three copies, sorry, three copies of Nykthos and four collected companies, this deck is well under $100, you know? Um, so, like, you, you have to have those pieces already because those pieces are a little bit expensive. But if you've got them... Uh, you could just smash mono green. And, you know, obviously I mentioned the Nykthos, the collective company. We're going to play a couple aspect of Hydra, not blossoming defense or any of that to protect our creatures. We're just going to slam as hard as possible so that we can uh, hopefully catch the combo deck of Lotus combo or oops, all spells stumbling a little bit and just murder them on a turn four, or turn five. Uh, so aspect of the Hydra is the one that gives plus X plus X where X is your devotion to green. Um, we've got a couple of Yorvos, a couple, uh, sorry, four Steelleaf Champions, two Ronis, Lovestruck, Lovestruck Beast, Groove's Harbinger. I don't like this card, but it's a big beater. Uh, I'm sure we could probably find something, you know, better, but... Uh, in Mono Green, there's not many options. Yeah, in, in Mono Green, you're there. Uh, Sir Farron, the Henge Hammer, I like to call him the Sledge Hammer. He's the one who pumps with the stuff, Burning Tree Emissary, and then our one-drop accelerants in Elvish Mystic and Lenore Elves. And this is just to say, you know, this deck may or may not, you know, top eight any challenges, right? There's people who played their decks for longer that can do more explosive things. But if you just want to beat down, it's still out here. And so I just right. like that people are still showing up with mono green. It was the first litmus test of the format is, hey, look, we've got three mana five fives. What you going to do about it? And in that Chris, case, you know, we just kill them. That's what we do. We just beat would them. Would you say that, that they could have a steam train if they were just to lay down their tracks? Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, nope. I wanna be your sledgehammer. Sledge okay, okay, whatever. I'm apparently um, old at 28. Is that? Are you talking about the? Are you talking about the original He's talking show? The song. He's talking the, about the song, the Peter okay. Gabriel song. Okay, I don't know. There, there was a show called Sledgehammer a long time ago that I watched with my dad. It was funny, but uh, you know, I'm not quite that boomer. So. Uh, real, real, real quick though, the reason why we don't need blossoming defense, right? Right, is all of our do most of our creatures here are threes mm -hmm. that just dodge natural fatal push. So we're just really worried about the burn spells. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. So we can. We and can all, and also, and also, you know, Steel Leaf Champion and Ronus uh, give things trample, and Steel Leaf Champion hard to block. Aspect of Hydra Go Brewer. I mean, it makes sense to me. Again, obviously, they, I think that I'm going to trust this person over over myself on the, uh, you know, what what they're playing. I certainly don't play much mono green. I just like, I would just like to remind everybody, this is still out there. And I think especially, like, if you were going to go, let's say right now you were going to go to a tournament, right? A lot of these challenges, you look at them, a lot of these players are just hardcore MTGO grinders that can play from anywhere, right? One guy, uh, one mm -hmm. guy yeah, uh, David, uh, one of the guys was from Glasgow or something like that was on his Twitter um, so, but if you were to go to a, a local event or play in some kind of event with other people, you could still take mono green if it's your deck and do well with it. I just, I, I want to point out that I think this format while narrowing down a little bit because of the people who are putting so much work into it, I think the fun aspect is really still there. And I just like that something like this can still come out and smash face and do really well. Cool. I have a five O list. Yeah. What you got? Uh, uh, it's misnamed. It's called Naya Midrange. Okay. By Gazito. Do you remember back when the format started? It was like, can you beat a turn two five five or can you beat a turn two Rabble Master? You can't beat turn two Winota. Well, here we are uh, asking once again, hey, can you beat a 
Can you beat a turn two Rowlmaster? Or can you beat a turn two Winota? Turn two well, Winota sorry, is sorry, possible. Sorry, turn, yeah. Can we turn this two Winota? Yes, you can go Elvish Mystic into Burning Tree into Eldritch Evolution. Oh, okay. Yeah, that does work. Uh, we can't do anything that turn, but hey, we've got a Winota yeah. on turn two. But normally this deck is going to be looking for Winota on like turn three or turn four. But mm-hmm. we are going to be casting Goblin Ravelmaster or Legion Horboss on turn two. And uh, we're just going to be getting in there with little goblins. And then those goblins are going to get us Angrass Marauders and Kenrith and Pia and Kieran. Or Burning Tree Emissaries even. Because why not? Like, this deck is just so explosive and so much fun. And it's just like, hey, did you keep a push or a shock in your opener? No? Well, here's a Ravelmaster on turn two. Hope you got a Wrath soon. I'll tell you what. Whenever I'm testing decks for the deck text and things like that, right? Uh-huh. And, and I'm feeling good about the deck or... Or invariably, it's usually the first round, actually. I just bump into Winota, and I'm just like, I just get thoroughly stomped, and I'm just like, all right, this deck's garbage. Let's move <laughs> on. I like that they finally moved the Voice of Resurgences into the side. It's a very good card, but like, we don't want to be playing two drops. We want to be playing our three drops as quick as possible. The Burning Tree Emissary is honestly interesting to me. It does have really interesting plays where we can like, cast burning tree emissary when we only have three mana and then immediately sack it to an eldritch evolution yeah to go get our winota but other than that i don't see much use for it like sure we can like cast it and a legion war boss but like burning tree emissary is a human which means it attacks with winota yeah i was gonna say like if this was like an elf shaman or something like that right like oh my gosh this would be gas but it's still a human um but it's got weird plays and it does allow like the magical christmas land winota on turn two so that's if, something. What's, if we okay, let me think here though, because like if we hit them off the Winota, that's just free mana for Kenrith. Yeah, like that's there's only one Kenrith. Yeah, I guess we're playing Lotus Cobra also as a three of in this deck. Oh, Lotus Cobra is the thing you need to kill because that's that's the thing that's scary. That's the real like turn three Winota. They still get to attack with it. No fetch lands. We're just going, you know. A uh, deck's a little pricey. I didn't say it was a cheap deck. I said it was a fun deck. Yeah. And uh, this deck always looks like a blast and a half. And it's playing for Gurk's Harbinger. And I think it's, like, way better here. Because Gurk's Harbinger will swing. It'll get a human out of your deck. And then if it hits, it's going to get you another creature to rebuild if your opponent wraths. I think Gurk's Harbinger way better in this deck than in any other green deck, for sure. Also, because it's a three-drop, we can play it on turn two. And then it's scary because it's, like better Ophidian, like Ophidian yep. that hurts. Sure. Ophidian that hurts and never dies to push. All right. That will wrap up the league discussion. Again, you know, we're seeing some shifts in the meta. Is it is it time for the Uro, for the, uh, the Uro decks just to come back and take over? Or what, what, do, you, what do you think? How do you, how do you think this, this current progression of the format? I mean, I think there's a lot of really fun and interesting stuff to be done in Pioneer right now. And I think we're going through, like, the, like, early phases of, like, wow, we can play with no lands. We can play with, like, only creatures. We can play with 80 cards, with 60 cards, with no cards, you know? Um, And so the control decks and, like, the mid-range decks are having to react too fast to just the whiplash of the meta going, like, maybe we're all hexproof creatures, Maybe we're all haste creatures with Embercleave. 
and maybe we're just milling our whole deck on turn three. So I feel like right now, just like the number of angles to attack is really just mm-hmm. slowing down the evolution of the control deck. It'll happen. We're going to get like the Reclamation control deck, the niv control decks are going to come in and they're going to say, here's an Oro and like, here's some good like silver bullets for the format and deal with it. Sure. But like right now, it's just like, like, I mean, if you were given the option to play like Teferi and Oro or play a deck where your entire deck goes into your graveyard on turn four. That one. I want that one. Yeah, exactly. Like later you'll make the like financially responsible decision <laughs> to play your Teferis and play your Wrath Effects and play your Oros. But right now we're having a lot of fun. Sure. I, uh, I still think Oro needs to go. Um, and, and the reason is I just, I think it's too stifling for aggro decks. I played against it earlier and I had three Phoenixes in play on turn three, right? Um, you would think that I would win that game, right? In in most situations, I would win that game. Um, but like three Uros and a bunch of nonsense later, because all of the green blue cards not only draw you cards, but they also get you lands and they gain you life. It's just absolutely insane. Like, I, I dealt 30 something damage to my opponent and lost. Like we got him down to one uh, several times and it just didn't matter. Like once the game was kind of in their hands, it was just like crazy. And even though like my threats, I could get them back. It, it just didn't matter. And I just, I don't like how Uro stifles uh, aggro decks. And I think that's going to be pretty important because I think you could see more aggro decks competing with oops, all spells and even Lotus combo if it wasn't for just the insane amount of row decks. And again, I still think those decks can compete. It's just like the, like the nut draws from a lot of aggro decks don't compete against Uro plus Omnath, right? Like they can't do anything. So I think I think the other thing is to write is why play any other mid range but a deck that plays Uro? Right, you nailed it because that's the only, it's one of the few ways that you can like survive the aggro plan. And so you know when you've got a combo deck that's going, hey, look, I'm going to kill you on turn three or turn four, which is what Oops All Spells can do. You really need some aggressive decks or some disruptive decks that can stop that plan, you know, or or even control. But it's like your control decks aren't really thriving even though you have a Teferi, because you can't even, you can't beat the mid-range strategies, right? They just go bigger and better than you. The, the threats are too recursive. So um, I, I would like to see Uro get the axe here. This this message proudly brought to you by the Let the Rhinos Run Free lobby. You nailed it. The, the <laughs> Rhino lobbyists have gotten to me, I have to say. They, like, keep, you know, they print hate cards all the time, right? Yeah. And, like, sometimes they're way too good, like Veil of Summer was, right? And, like, Mystical Dispute is a very good card. But, I mean, like, the red ones always seem to get really shafted. Mm-hmm. It's, like, uh, not Combust, but, like, the new Combust that hits Planeswalkers. What is it? Fry? Fry, yeah. It's like, well, I can't, it's, it's still one damage from killing Uro. Mm-hmm. And one damage from killing Oko. And, like, mm-hmm. I just... Man, Guttural Response was such a fun card to play with. And, like, REB and uh, Pyroblast were so good way back when. And yep. in Popper. Like... Like, would it be awful if we got a two-mana Pyroblast? Yeah, I, 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 maybe, maybe. It's, there's probably cases where that's broken, but I definitely think it's like, worth talking about. Probably something we could bring up later. Do even we want at to... Red Red, even at Red Red, just yeah. being able, like, they go Escape Oro, and I go Red Red and say, no, Pyroblast, your card is blue. Yeah. And just, like, be like, stop. Like, if, I, if Red could have an answer to Oro... Red cannot answer Oro. 
Like that's like the big problem. It's just like it's like it gains life, it draws cards, it plays lands, and it's just huge. And you can play it again and again and again and again. And like you got you want... to play green and hope you can hit scavenging ooze when it's still in the graveyard. Like I don't want to play like the like yard hate game. I don't want to answer it forever. But like that one crucial moment where they go, I'm going to escape Oro, and you're going to say for red red, you're not. Mm-hmm. And Even like, the first time, right? So at least they have to work for it the second time, you know. Right, exactly. Like, um, I feel like a card like that has to be coming. Like with all like the power creep and stuff like that. Like they power creep every color, but like red and white. Yeah, I don't even know that red would have the time to play it. Like it just feels like at that point, maybe right. maybe you do in some kind of thing, but we'll we'll see. Uh, I'm just saying, like everybody gets cool hate cards in their board, right? Always, right? Yeah, and like red, red definitely gets the worst of that. That's for sure. Red never gets a good hate card. Yeah, fair. All right, let's and all white does is get hate cards. Anyway, yeah. let's kick it over. To does it slap? Chris, is that theme song? Does it slap? Oh, no ASMR this week. Nope, not this week. Proud of you for making making right choices in life. Thank you. All right, Ricky, you picked it. What, what's what's what you got? All right, we got red white gift is the name that they put on this deck. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not a Godfrey's gift deck. I was by, very confused. Right. By Razor Chaos, but I think they had a different name in the Discord. Uh, I'm looking up that name right now. Sure. Uh, Rami, Rami is their name in the... Yeah, Rami. Right yeah, Rami. Uh, they've got the little Animal Crossing dog. There we go. As their uh, face. There we go. Um, this deck is a red-white deck. That is truth. And we are playing uh, enchantment cards in front of... In, including a card that Chris loves, which is four copies of Idyllic Tutor. Oh, yeah. Um, and we've got the nine lives solemnity combo here to stop our opponent from hitting us. Hey. Uh, but we've also got four copies of harmless offering so we could give our nine lives to our opponent. And we're playing cards like uh, cleansing Nova because it's a wrath for one extra man. It's a wrath, but it can also wrath the enchantment side so we could kill the nine lives that our opponent's playing. And we also have Abzan advantage, which is two mana instant target player sacrifice an enchantment and we bolster one so this plays very much like a red white mid-range control deck which i'm very into i've been playing a mono red prison chandra uh make ruckman rip all his hair out deck <laughs> um with chandra's regulators and every copy of chandra Mount up. <laughs> um, and i love these styles of like red white just like playing board wipes playing very very powerful planeswalkers we've got Chandra Torch Defiance and Nihiri the Harbinger, both very good planeswalkers. They answer all sorts of threats, and then like they've got big ultimates, and they tick us up with card advantage. So uh, everything everything in this deck I very much like. We've got 23 lands, but two Valakut's Awakening in case we need to cycle our hands away. Um, very, very awesome deck. There's only one change I would make to the entire deck, and that is I would play either a one of... Uh, Ember Cool, or a one of Ulamog, or a one of Void Winor, just to have a big hit for our Nahiri. Um, as is, our Nahiri can't really hit anything. She gets to tutor for a creature or an artifact, put it into play, it gains haste, and then it bounces to our hand at the next end step. Our only creature we're playing is for Skyclave Apparition. Very good card for sure. Um, and we don't have any artifacts. So, I mean, I'd just like a way to close out the game. Uh, with damage if we needed to, with like a big Void Winnower, uh, or a big, big something, big creature we need to play as a one of. We can cut like 
I don't know, one copy one copy of Absent Advantage to play it. Mm-hmm. And I might look into playing just a little bit more of like just another spot removal. We've got Baffling End here. But just one more piece of spot removal, maybe cutting out a two idyllic tutors to do it. Maybe we could even play Change of the Rocks. I like Change of the Rocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my thing though is look, I like Skycliff Apparition, but to me in this deck. I think that's more of a sideboard card, and I think we need just more sweepers. I think we need, like, some Anger of the Gods main board. Um, I'm fine with the Skyclave Apparition, and I'm going to say some things. You guys tell me if I'm crazy. Um, there's some things like Abzan Advantage. There's some things like um, Baffling End that I, I get that they're there, but like I think that we should just be playing, like, Banishing Light. Right, that that can take away our gifted nine lives that we gave to our opponent. It nine can. lives is hex proof. Nine lives is hex proof. Mm, I see what you're saying. We have to make him sacrifice it. Um, yeah, I guess then I, I'd like to see a way that just like destroys permanents or makes like them sack a permanent. Maybe play like uh... we don't want them to sack a permanent. You need them specific, specifically sack the nine lives. The big thing is once we get nine lives and solemnity, we can just win the game. Yeah. Like, our opponent can't hit us anymore. True. And so, like, the Harmless Offering is a way we can win the game from that board state, where we just give them the nine lives, Mm -hmm. and then make them sack it in that same turn. Um, Which is great, and, like, you can also just sort of cheese a win. You can just play nine lives, like, nude, and just, like, take a few counters off to, like, live through the next turn. Yeah. And then just pass it over and be like, you know... Here's a here's harmless offering and here's absent advantage and you just lost out of nowhere, right? Right. Yeah. So I this deck feels. It's, I mean, I'm gonna sound crazy. It feels like Junior Splinter Twin. Definitely nowhere near as scary and not as instant speed as Splinter Twin, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's like here's a powerful control combo deck that you can just fall behind in advantage from. And then, like, they can lock you out of the game until they want to win, or they can just, if you're not careful, they can just get you. Yeah. Um, I feel like enchantment's always uh, an under like undervalued card type. The only thing is, like, your matchups against auras are a little rough. Like, we have to win with the Cleansing Nova. And so I do agree uh, with Ruckman. If we actually cut the Skyclave Apparitions down, and we can play just some uh, Anger of the Gods, maybe in Sweltering Suns, you don't want to cut Nahiri for that? Like, I don't get what we're doing with Nahiri. Nah- Nahiri, Nahiri lets us filter. I, you know, I'm fine cutting Nahiri and just playing, like, four Chandra, I guess. But I do like Ricky's idea of having the Nahiri be able to find us a different threat. Maybe we go, like, three Chandra, two Nahiri. Because, uh, like, Chandra just kind of, kind of wins the game. I just think I'm just... The thing I'm worried about is, you know, I'm worried about... The, there's, like, the Gruul decks that are just... And early auras, I, you know... Not necessarily uh, anger of the gods isn't gonna necessarily sometimes be fast enough for um the auras match up i just think we need some like a little more early wraths like the anger of the gods and maybe play like a couple shadow of the skies like that in the board um that's that's sort of where i'm at don't get me wrong i i love this idea it took me a second to catch on because i was expecting obviously god pharaoh's gift but once i realized what was going on i love the idea here I just think we need a little more than just like Skyclave Apparition and Baffling End to, excuse me, survive that initial onslaught. Yeah, right. I definitely feel you on the Wrath's effect. Now, Nahiri, I feel like, is great because she exiles things. She can exile enchantments, she can exile yeah. artifacts. Um, 
I'm also just a huge sucker. I used to love, uh, I think it's, it's something about living in Texas is that every Texas magic player loves playing Jeskai protect the queen. The, like the, the Jeskai control burn deck that wants to stick either a Jace or a Nahiri. Yes. Jace is a queen fight me later. Um, and you just want to protect one of those two cards until it ultimates. Um, yeah, I, I, my couple thoughts real quick are one, I, I don't, I'm not going to go too much into it, but um, I think that I really want to see this deck like taking advantage of like a Nykthos to get higher faster, especially in two colors. I, I think you can look to see if there's any changes you can make to do that. Uh, if not, that's fine, but that's the first thing that I think about when I look at this. The second thing, and this is just way even more of cute a thought, is the Gideon that um, gives you the Platinum Angel effect. Um, I know it doesn't do a whole lot, because like, then if they just kill the the Planeswalker at the same time, it, it doesn't do a whole lot for you. But it's an interesting thing where like if the Gideon's on the field when the nine lives triggers, like it, it still exiles, right? And then I don't think you can lose the game. So like if you can find a way to do that or trigger it when you want to, uh, I think that's an interesting thought. So like the Platinum Angel Gideon plus Nykthos are, are ways that I would think about taking this. And then like you guys said, finding a way to throw an extra Wrath in the main deck just to, uh, you know, give you a little bit of hedge against aggro. But I do like where this deck is going. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, we ready for so some slap ratings? I'm, I'm ready for some slap ratings. Do all of these have to be however many out of the nine lives? I think they all have to be. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I wasn't uh, even thinking gonna, about that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this uh, seven out of nine Mr. Mephistopheles lives. Okay, sounds good. Ricky, what do you got? Um, I'm going to give this a uh, nine. Yes, I said nine. I've got a solemnity in play. It doesn't remove counters out of nine lives. Of uh, which cat's cat? Uh, of the house cat that clearly used to be Mufasa. House cat that used to be Mufasa. Gus? Wait, what? Oh, of the cats cats? Yeah. Oh, the railroad cat. Clearly. Oh, okay. Skimbleshanks, the, the railroad Shanks, cat? the railroad okay. cat is the only, okay, sure. the only moment of clarity in all of Cats 2019. Okay. There's only two cats that I'm aware of, and that's Mr. Kitty and a Johnny. So this is getting, in my opinion, six and a half a Johnny's out of nine. Hmm. Mr. Mr. Kitty's definitely a bust for Jones. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you, Razor Chaos or Rami, whatever you prefer to be called. Thank you so much for this deck submission. Any uh, last thoughts on it, guys? No, I, this deck was a sweet idea. I love it. Yeah, lots of fun. I want Blood Moon and Pioneer. You want Blood Moon and Pioneer? I, I want to watch the world burn. You're going to take Blood Sun and Alpine Moon and you're going to like it. I guess so. All right, to wrap things up, just a reminder, episode 50 will be our next Q&A episode, so be sure to either submit those to the pinned tweet on the Twitter or submit those to the Q&A channel in the Discord by 5 p.m. November 9th to make sure I get those all prepared for the podcast. Of course, on November 9th, we will be also drawing for our Extra Life winner for if someone gives a at least you donate at least a dollar to our Extra Life uh, campaign or in multiples of five to get that many entries into our giveaway for a collector's pack of Zendikar Rising or if we break that $500 mark I will be giving away a standard booster box a standard draft booster box of the winner's choice uh, that is open to international as well uh, we'll figure out the shipping if a winner is international but I would do want this open to everyone too, so we can get as many donations as possible to support that 
And of course, uh, the seventh, which is actual Extra Life Game Day, is our next webcam event using those new proxy rules where you get up to 12 cards proxied of your choice. We just ask those either be nice printouts put in the card sleeves or they are uh, nicely written out on the new Zendikar checklist, just so we don't have that awkwardness of trying to figure out what card is what, which I think sometimes make proxies a little undesirable. But we're going to hopefully use this new rule and people get more involved because this it will be our one-year anniversary of the podcast coming up on that weekend. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, you can also find this show's Twitter at Crew3Podcast on Twitter. You can find Ricky at... At also Steve. You can find Chris at it's underscore Christmas, and you can find me stream multiple times a week on our Twitch at Crew Three MTG, or posting weekly sort of fun deck texts on our YouTube, also at Crew Three MTG. Be sure to check out the Patreon if you want to support us there. Thank you all for listening, and gentlemen, thank you for joining me this week. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. 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 Bye.